Yeah, we can't even make the now, Tex. <laughs> it's going brilliantly. Oh, no. Mike's gone completely. <laughs> Hello, everybody. I'll tell you what, you move your lips and I'll talk for you. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Welcome to the silent movie edition of Disability Horizons no. TV. No. With our host up there, Lon Chaney Jr. Yes. <laughs> oh, hang on, hang on, there's something. I hear something. No Keep mistakes, going. I thought tonight. We're gonna go for it. Can hear you. Vaguely. It's very quiet, but we can now hear you. But I think your mic's come unplugged. <laughs> <laughs> right, folks. This we we always laugh, don't we? That we're doing things professionally and of course uh what we've done today is is move it on a bit just today when we're joined by our wonderful guest sam rink of course miss <laughs> professionalism here who in no way was still online shopping just 30 seconds before we went i, I, I still am online shopping sorry <laughs> now the reason why sam tell us why you are blacked out um uh, <laughs> because you're not paying me any money and for me to actually make myself presentable on a Sunday. Oh, of course, yes, I should um, it, it takes an army of <laughs> the army of, of hangers on and clingers on makeup and hair and all that. <laughs> no, uh, no, in all honesty, I um I've got a bit of a dodgy elbow. It's like a an old fracture that just can be a bit of a poop yeah. face now and again. So it's just a bit cracked, and I just thought I could not be bothered to mm. wash my hair or put a bra on or even knickers. So I am sat here naked. No, I'm joking. I do have something on. Um, but yeah, I just thought I just don't want to scare any anyone tuning in today. To be quite honest. So I'm back now. Well, the reason I'm we can't back. pay you, Sam, is because all, all the money goes quiet, on beer products. <laughs> what was that, Dad? So we can't pay you right. all, the, all the money goes on sex beer products. I know, I can, I can clearly tell. So I'm back, and yeah. I don't know what the hell is going on. I was going to be <laughs> so with it tonight. We can now actually gonna... hear him. The, the best bit is, is it's Zek's <laughs> show today. So when he's... It's, so we've got Sam, who's in sound only, Zek, who's in picture <laughs> only. It's, it's going to be one of those nights, folks. And what's so annoying is we're talking... Yes, we can do it all by interpretive dance, disability, hate crime. Anyway, let's Yay. start. We've started. Let's just ignore the beginning bit. We're here. Yeah, to cut that bit. Cut that bit. This hate. bit never happened. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Me, myself, <laughs> Mick, and Dan are joined by Samantha Renk, who has already explained since as I sort of disappeared. But <laughs> she is she says she's broken her elbow and she's not looking respectable. The truth is she's online shopping and can't really be bothered to look at <laughs> uh you'll never know no i think that's the truth isn't it you'll never know keep you guessing unfortunately we're talking about a topic that has to be discussed it's a horrible mm. topic it's a topic that from what we've been chatting about before the show most people have been subject to in the most horrific ways mm. and you know we want to hear your comments because looking back on bbc news doing a search there's years and years of articles and articles and nothing ever changes. So I'm gonna I'm gonna slot Mick into prime position and he's gonna give us his take oh God. and his experiences on disability hate. Although who could hate Mick? I don't know. Well, most people could if they really wanted to. Um yeah, I, I uh, yeah, no, I, I didn't want to hog the show again because you know let's face it, it's me, I can't shut up. But I will say but I have had a few 
more extreme experiences of this. I think we've all had that, you know, being shouted at and people being a bit weird and aggressive and people calling you names and all that kind of stuff. And that was far, but you know, like I was born disabled, so I had it at school um, and kind of learned quite early on to sort of um, how to resist the bullies and all that kind of stuff. But then as you get older, it got a bit more scary. And I, a couple of experiences, I was once attacked in Camden tube station um, where someone came up behind me with a knife. And apparently what it was, was uh, their friend uh, had just had his legs cut off because he was an alcoholic and was upset that I was seemingly confident in my wheelchair. <laughs> so he thought he'd try and kill me. Um, unfortunately, he didn't realise that I had a sharpened footplate on, you know, those old footplates that used to come off wheelchairs when you had the ones that folded off. Well, I'd sharpened one for attacking reasons. Uh, and so I fought back and it didn't end well for him. The funniest bit was while this was happening, two policemen were walking by and I was thinking, yes, me and my friend with the knife to my throat are having a great time. Thanks, <laughs> officer. Um, and then later on, uh, I, I mean, this was really scary. When I uh, I was doing telly and everything and I had a car accident and I broke my back, so I got quite ill again. And so I stopped doing telly. I was quite ill. And during this time, I was living in Shepherd's Bush in a uh, under the Housing Association having tag. Um, and uh, a gang of local youths decided that, hey, all these cripples are living in that place so we can use their car park to sell drugs and they won't be able to do nothing. And uh, so they moved in and it got, you know, I wasn't sleeping much because of the pain. So when I did sleep, last thing I needed was um, drug dealing at a full volume, the worst drug dealers in the world. Do you want to buy some drugs? Yes, I want to buy some drugs. <laughs> right, guys. So um, Di went out to ask them to just keep it down a bit and it all descended from there until... Uh, she got beaten up, I got beaten up, we got knives pulled on us. Um, one night I went out because they were attacking her, I start naked. <laughs> and one of them came up behind me and grabbed me and kicked me out of my chair. Um, uh, and then the worst one was just towards the end, we kept getting the, asking the police to do something, they wouldn't do anything, having tech wouldn't do anything. No one did anything, we were on our own. Um, and then one night, I went out and three of them were hiding and they were all masked up and they beat the crap out of it i mean really to the floor and um and i came out and I, they all just like laughed and ran off and then they were going we're going to pour petrol through your letterbox and burn you all to death and so we we packed up and ran away and just ran and left my lovely adapted flat with its garden and everything and just went sod it and left and kind of spent four or five years rebuilding our lives um and i think the thing is is that what it what it taught me was one you go to people and you go, oh, they, you know, they, they started off with just name calling and sort of lightweight stuff, and like you know, they, they'd smash a wing mirror off my car and go, it's all right, you get it for free, didn't you, and all that kind of stuff. But when it's not nipped in the bud, then it escalates, mm. and so that's, you know, it's why I think it's so important to talk about it because lots of people will experience um, that hostility, that aggression, that weirdness from the public about language, about those little things, but we've. If we're not going to stop that, then it will escalate. And I know loads of people mm. who have really nightmarish experiences with neighbours and people grassing them up for benefit fraud when they're, you know, they're legitimately claiming, yeah. you know. And it, it, so it's why we have to talk about it and why we ask you, dear viewers, to join in. Tell us your experiences. Um, I don't think any of us are going to have any great ideas at the end about how to, you know, our top tips are going to be a bit crap. No. <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, other than make sure you have uh, lots of small video cameras because mm. that's really handy to get evidence. Um, but yeah, it was it was terrifying. And, and the other thing, of course, people don't really talk about is the uh, effect afterwards. You know, yeah. um, and it's funny, just before we went live, weren't we, Sam? We were talking about, you know, that you're finding it mm. really weird. You know, Sam, you know, no one would say Sam lacking in confidence. She's fine. But, you know, it's not. It crushes all of us because it's something, you know, when you see it bad, um, it it just freaks you out completely. Uh, and I, I know I had, I had a bloody place... warm camera. When I go out, I've got a bloody oh, really? camera on. Yeah, I'm, I'm lucky. I'm, I'm lucky. I've got one for review, like one of these mm. proper security body worn cameras. I feel safer with it on. Mm. But doesn't it strike as weird that we now live in a situation where, in order for you just to go out, you have to wear a camera? Do you see what I mean? In a society like this, in order for you just to leave the house, you have to have a camera so you can record any negativity as head towards. That's just there's no way for anyone to live, is it? In a society like this, I'm going out with a camera strapped to me. So if anyone abuses me, I've got them on film. That's just that just shows them a, 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 an intolerance in society that needs to be weeded out. And that's a really interesting point about the, the benefit fraud. When you realise it was it's only two point two point four percent of incapacity benefit claims mm. are made by disabled people, and and less than one percent of disability allowance claims are fraudulent. I mean, yeah. disability benefit fraud is so low. Yeah, it's but according to the tabloids, it's it's so high. Well, and, and the, the other thing, of course, the is that thing everyone thinks... They can report you anonymously. Yeah, I yeah, know. Let's give a name or anything. They can just report you with no calls and you get the brown letter through the door. I had it. But yeah. there's, there's, there's no need. Because that's what I mean. This just brings it back to the, this, this tabloid-fed nonsense. If, if you look at the stats, disability benefit claim fraud is just so low compared to everything else. It just seems like everyone's a specific, easy target. And talking about the police as well... I mean, obviously, a lot of it comes back to poor police practice at the end of the day. You know, officers have low awareness of disability. Or the, the facilities are inaccessible. People with disabilities, they're not taken seriously as credible witnesses. People who, who have autism or, or, or even a CP are seen as drunk because they can't understand what's going on. So there's a big confusion within the Metropolitan Police themselves about what hate crime is and how to deal with disabled people. So you can see... You know the media and the police one side, there's this big juxtaposition. You know what, though? Don't, don't you think that's something, I, I think that's, that's why I think this is a really important subject to talk about, is we need ourselves to kind of go right, because I see people online saying kind of, you know, it's really, uh, someone was really ableist or horrible or, you know, disability hate. And you kind of go, is it hate or is it ignorance? Because there is a line, someone doesn't understand and they say things wrong and they're wrong. And they, and it, like last night I was in a club this little guy comes up to me, you know, probably in his mid-twenties. And, and it, well, he was actually quite tall, but he was, you know, he was young, which to someone who's celebrating his 56th birthday is anyone under 50. And he came up and he was like, oh, I think it's really amazing you're, you're, you're out. And I, I think you're so brave. And do you know what I mean? And all that kind of arsey, patronising crap. And I was like, God, I want to hit you, but I can't. Because mm. you're not, you're not, I felt oppressed and I felt like, oh, here we go again. But that wasn't, that was ill-informed. And I think that that's one of the things that happens. It's like when these this group of drug dealers moved in, they were the police kept going, oh, well, it's just kids. It's just teenagers, isn't it? They're being teenagers. And it's like, yeah, no, they're not. It's not just, yeah, look at you, you stupid spaz. It's, it's gone from that to something more threatening. And I think that that's the, the thing that, that we need 
to get nailed down because then we can start saying, no, this is when it starts and this is when you need to act. Mm. Because otherwise, I mean, when, when they said about petrol, we're going to pull petrol through your letterbox and watch you burn, right? And I rang the police and they said, well, until you're the petrol is coming yeah. through your letterbox we can't do anything so i said so what you mean is we can't interrupt we can't interact with this situation until you're running from your house on fire well that's handy good to know that's so, logical yeah. Yeah. we've got I've we've got a, we've got level years. crossing up here and we're not gonna sorry god go, no, go on come on mate i was just saying you know we've got sam on here and i've been following mm. her no, I, I, over the past has it been a month now sam since the <laughs> there was an incident and gosh, I think it's been less than that. So, so yeah, I mean, first of all, Mick, you don't do things by halves, do you, my darling? I, I'm, like, I'm absolutely frustrated and mortified that you have to experience that. Um, like you, I am a full-time wheelchair user and I was, you know, I have a disability. I've got brussel bones. So, you know, anyone kind of coming towards me physically in a threatening manner mm. terrifies me because... Mm. It wouldn't just be um, a hospitalization. It would be, you know, fatal in many respects for me. Um, and that's often why I never retaliate. Um, you know, yeah. it, a lot goes through my mind. I am, I might be small, but I'm extremely mighty and I am very, wit mm. you know, sharp-witted and, and, you know, I could bury anyone in a second, you know. Um, but I don't, um, I don't even flip someone the, the finger because I am terrified of that split second someone particularly when they're yeah. intoxicated someone doing something and even if they were to do something and you know they're absolutely shit-faced you know and they and they and they you know only only do a punch half the speed of what they would do again that would have big consequences for me but you know very yeah. similar to you i think i've always been taunted um uh, even when i was a child you know there's the obvious kind of bullying at school but i also i'm half german so i used to spend a lot of time in germany and um there was a lot of in our village um uh, from the obviously from the war we have quite a lot of um um uh, uh kind of guests they're called gestarbeiter so it's like um people from italy or people from turkey who came to help you know germany after the war and a lot of them have settled there and unfortunately they have a lot of friction with the germans very similar to what we have here with with other minority groups and ethnic yeah. ethnic groups you know that separation but I remember the kids used to um, shout at me across the street, like, shrine, pig, call me pig, and all sorts, you know. And yeah. um, I used to, very, very lucky, I used to travel a lot as a child. But weirdly, like, traveling to most of Europe, you know, is where I actually found, you know, that I would be stared at the most or treated differently. You know, I remember in France, someone putting their shopping down to take a good look at me. Uh, went to Amsterdam and people were stopping and taking pictures of me you know and i don't know that for me um someone taking pictures of me is i find that the most fire violating you know other than people just laughing or or joking like people stopping and this was prior to me being any form of public figure and people you know see me pop up on telly this is you know just random people wanting to take a look i've even had that at gay pride here people stopping yeah. and taking taking photos of me and that makes me feel sick because you know that they will then show that to people and you will be uh, you know uh, the butt of all jokes but um as we were talking well, about me yeah. yeah i become i mean i have become a meme after the Maltese advert i had be i have my very own memes and you know what's very funny with the memes that came out i did my best to navigate around them and not 
and not kind of look at them. I, I don't Google myself. I'm not, you know, uh, a masochist. You know, I'll, I'll never kind of look. For, I'll never look for these things. But you, you'll get people who are quote unquote supposed to be your friends, and they'll go, mm. "Oh my God, I can't believe what I just seen. Look, isn't it horrible, mm. Samantha? Mm. I don't know why I'm doing that accent, but, but you know, and then they'll, and then they'll, they'll just send me the thing yeah. that I yeah. avoided for six months. I'm like, yep. you are you are just as cruel as yep. <laughs> someone who you know who kind of has made the means. Which now the other day I went out, um, I've slowly you know started to get my independence back. I, I'm very fortunate. I live in central London. I live near Liverpool Street Station, which is a very very kind of busy, hustly bustly station, and we get a lot of people coming in and out from Essex or even, you know, up north, I've seen quite a few stag dudes and hen dudes and, and it, you know, it's a vibrant place to be. And I only, I only go there one because it's five minutes from my home and I can take my power wheelchair and I've navigated a route that has good drop curbs and I won't get stuck. And two, I know there's an accessible bathroom there because it's all been, the plaza has all been kind of all new, you know, done. I don't go there because I enjoy watching drunkards, you know, kind of have their, you know, just like, act like idiots in the street. So, I, you know, I go there quite regularly, meet up with friends. And the last time I went, it happened twice actually, but then the last time I saw a really big group of, intoxicated youngsters, youngsters, and I say youngsters, probably in the mid-twenties, and my friend was chatting away to me, and all of a sudden, all I thought was, and I didn't think, oh, they're going to look at me or stare at me, I just thought, oh, crap, I need to get past them with my power chair, mm. and all it takes is for one person to push one person, they fall on me, so, uh, you know, when you live, when you're a wheelchair user, also when you have bristle bones, you're like on on high edge all the time going oh my god risk assessment oh quick get out of the way it's like um it's like a what's it called like a computer game you're like dodging people yep. so I, yeah. I was just i was just kind of trying to navigate past them and then i clocked one of the lads laugh at me then tapped the other lad on the shoulder then it was a bit like you know dominoes they all kind of tapped each other and then they all turned around and started laughing my friend was a bit oblivious to this because he was like wrapped up in his own little conversation to me. Little did yeah. he know I wasn't listening to him. And, mm. and you know, I, as soon as I saw them all kind of laughing, I, I part of me was like, just flip them the bees or whatever. And But I couldn't, mm. I just, and I, I thought, I was angry because I thought, they, you just made me feel embarrassed of who I am. And I turned and I looked the other way and I went red. And yeah. I even thought, oh my God, I hope my friend hasn't seen that. I thought it wasn't even the act of making fun out of me because you know they're just wankers and I probably earn more money than they do in a whole fucking year and then you know that I do in a week so screw them you know um not that money everything in the world but you know what I mean I I've got a very very successful happy uh life so uh I, that doesn't really niggle me anymore because I feel so content with where who I am and where I am but it made it it put it down on the night and it made yep. it you mentioned it mick and this is ptsd it triggered yep. something from my past and i don't know all about you when someone does something like that to you for me it's not about the act it's about the people around you validating what just happened and so many times people have been whispering about me people have laughed at me People have mocked me and I've said to my friends, don't they want to go, you know, want them to go over and beat yeah. the crap out of them. But I've, I've said, oh my God, did you see that? 
And so many times people have gone, you're imagining it. Yeah. Don't be really. You know what? I think that's the big one about it. I think that, that isn't talked yeah. about is that we aren't believed. Yeah. I think, I think one of the things is, is that for everybody that would do it, there's someone who couldn't imagine doing it. Yes. And then they go, well, if I can't, I can't imagine anyone doing that because I think yeah. you know, I wouldn't do it. And so you're like, well, no, we're not making this stuff up. Yeah. You know, we face exactly the same problems as any other minority. And, yeah. you know, people don't believe that you can hate disabled people, but you can, <laughs> right? And people do. And, you know, there is a, um, you know, like you're saying, when people look at you and go, oh, look at that freak. And you're like, yeah. right that's only a short step that's that's no different from saying look at that black person look at that gay yeah. person it's the same othering and it just it but it, but like it's funny because i used to hang around with julie fernandez who also has brittle mm. bones and she used to say exactly the same thing we'd go clubbing and she'd be like i don't want to go on the dance floor because i don't know if someone might grab me or fall yeah. on me or hug me yeah. and like a hug for you is a hug a hug for me could be you know six months in hospital or worse yeah and it's it's it, you know it's a load of stuff that is why we need to confront it because I mean how we... much how much do we think is fueled by the media mm. um, with all well I know that mine I know that they... I know that when these kids started on me it was around the time that all of this scrounger vision started mm. and the thing that bugged them was they thought it was unfair that I got a free car so they kept smashing it up and it cost me you know 150 quid um excess all the wing mirrors went all the windows went I'd get it all fixed, put it back outside, right. it'd go again. And that was where it started. I mean, that in itself should have been enough to get the police involved. But, but I think the, the, the reason why, you know, you've got this media spiral and they kind of prop, propaganda of, you know, benefit scroungers, you know, I would happily give up my benefits. And someone actually said, commented on something the other day, went, yeah, but you get all these like free stuff and, and provisions, you know? I said, I will happily give up my 20 whatever percent off freaking rail card if i could actually get on the underground whenever i wanted to mm. you know what like like in the, in the, you know the media likes to make us look like the baddies because yeah. actually they don't want to put their hands up and go society right. is screwed we're not doing enough um yeah. shame on us so we're gonna this, build course, this, this is why being the old duffer who was disabled you know like long long ago long long ago in the ancient history where things were black and white because i remember when a lot of these benefits were first introduced right and the whole story around them was right we're going to give attendance allowance so that people that mm -hmm. need extra support don't you don't it doesn't cost the nhs extra money so it's cheaper to give them a little bit of money to pay for someone to say buy extra socks because they wear them out or trousers or help someone on you know do little things for them and then the mobility allowance is because we just can't afford to make the whole network the public transport system accessible. Yeah. so we'll give them a bit of money they can spend it on a cab or we're gonna we used to have a little blue bubble car you know yeah. the invalid carriage we get that's unsafe so we're gonna start a thing called motability and they can hire a car off this company with this money and then that way they can get around and it means that we don't have to spend an absolute fortune on making the world accessible and yeah. kind of that's what the argument was and everyone was like that's brilliant and i remember for years people would go you need that stuff you know that's mm. that's it's, it's leveling the playing field it's really good you get that that orange badge you need that that's really important and then all of a sudden people started nicking them yeah mm. and you're like when the bloody hell did that happen and it was like that it was just really weird one minute people wouldn't park in your bay the next minute you were being told to piss off is all right for you with your blue badge i'm parking here i'm only being here five minutes and it was and it wasn't as recent as people think 
you know, it was it was sort of the middle nineties. But what was the and, catalyst? Uh, well, annoyingly and sadly oh. to say, um, one of the big ones was, and people forget this, that Tony Blair's government decided <laughs> to go after us all for our benefits. And I was working on the BBC at the time, and they started reassessing everyone and trying to get everyone off it. And luckily, uh, the show we were doing from the edge, we reported on three or four cases where people's lives were destroyed by this process. Yeah. And uh, it meant that the public came on board and went, that is terrible, we've got to undo this. But it started that dialogue, that idea that there was all this money being paid out to us that, that somehow the government could claw back. And I'm afraid that when the government changed, they came back with a vengeance. And I think from that time, the media had started, like we said, you know, all this benefit scrounger telly rubbish. And we were just in the caught in the crossfires. And that's when it really kicked off. And it no matter what you tried, you couldn't argue with people. So much so that even my own brother has said to me at one point, it's all right for you, your free house, your free car, and your loads of benefits. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, you, you know what I get, mate. You're my brother. Mm -hmm. So if even they are bought into it, then you're in trouble. A question for Dan. Question for yes. Dan, being our, our political expert, so to speak, because we've seen him beating up stories on the TV. How much of this media-fueled hate campaign is pushed by the government, do you think, to enable them to make cuts and changes to our benefits? Of course it's enabled. I mean, a lot of people accuse me of being paranoid, but when you consider that a lot of uh, people in the media appears or donated to certain political parties, uh, you have lords and stuff like that. Even now, you've got uh, uh, Boris Johnson trying to get, um, I forgot what it is, is it Paul Dacre of the Daily Mail in the top? at the BBC, uh, they're trying to get uh, Jess Braymar, who is a wonderful person from the Huffington Post, they're trying to out her because apparently she's got left-wing views which don't sit right with the BBC in general. And as much as I love the BBC, you can see a lot of these um, media companies are having a lot of political lines feed through. Do you see what I mean? In order to, to correspond to keep their funding channel force coming under attack as well. So you can see a lot of these companies are starting to toe the line, really, starting to, instead of a proper journalism we used to have, it's more like reporting without digging deeper. So, of course, there's a big correlation between government and media, and there always has been, but it's got worse lately, got a lot worse lately, where you can see, obviously, with the £20 coming back off PIP now, and no one's really kicking up a fuss about it, because, obviously, these people can go out and get a job uh, a place where obviously there's no access and they can't go in to get a job. So yeah, the correlation is there. People need to see what's going on because disabled people have always been pillared and are being accused of benefit scroungers and it's always been media fed. If you look at the history of things, as soon as the government makes a decision, you will see that enacted slowly through the media. I mean, last week we had that BBC Panorama documentary. I think it was on disabled people um, I can't think what the, ter the youth terminology is called when you've got hidden disability and you go on the media and you talk on TikTok, things like that. I can't remember. Um, so it was, was again. Yeah, so there, there it happened again. Another attack on, on disabled people. So it's constantly there. And then you've got the other side of it, which is always the pity porn side of it. So you've always got the two barriers of, of disgusted disability or look, let's raise them some money. So of course, people viewing don't see anything in between. So they're stuck between those things. So they've got one view or the other, which both well, equate the same thing. This is it. And I think I, I get after the Maltese advert, um, I got, you know, kind of really, really trolled. And it kind of shocked me mm. because I, I always surround myself with people that lift me up. And naively, mm. you know, mm. I didn't think as a grown adult that I would be trolled 
so heinously online and you know a lot of people want to talk about that still today which you know it has its time and place obviously and people go well what do you think the cause is and when i whenever i say this and i'm I, i'm not doing this to be self-indulgent or anything i say it's because i am a successful disabled woman and that intimidates people and exactly yeah. what you just said you, you're inspirational because you know you don't want to kill yourself every day or you're pity yeah. you know children's in need so if you kind of yeah. you know say i'm neither of those things i'm, I'm a businesswoman I'm strong, I'm independent, etc. Yes, my body fails me from time to time. Yes, I need additional support. But let's face it, who doesn't need support? We all had mm. mothers and fathers that wiped our asses when we were children. <laughs> That's not exclusive to disabled people. Everyone needs help. Um, and and I think that I think that is one of the reasons why I got um, you know trolled. People were jealous. But isn't it funny? Whenever I say that, people go and look at me and go, and you they don't have to say anything. It's that whole why would they be jealous? Yep. No, yep. because again, it's that ingrained systemic um, vision of disabled people. Like, why would you want to, I don't want to be disabled. I'd rather die, I'd rather die than be disabled. And I'm sure we've yeah. all, we've all heard that or experienced that comment. So I think, yeah. you know, that it's really funny with, with the emergence of online media, TikTok. I mean, I'm 35 now. I feel like a grandma in comparison with all these like uh -huh. online influences and stuff god help god help you three um but you know it's it's a thanks for that sam thanks well a lot. <laughs> um but it is a different culture and good you know good good going to them or they're all amazing they're all kind of um you know trailblazers in their own right but i think that you know people are ready for it because the media still gets it so so wrong on how they depict disabled people and it's funny because i you know work um closely with broadcast etc and try and get diversity you know or represent authentic representation and and we've still got a long way to go but yeah. still until we really really get a shift where we see disabled people you know um on a tv program where they're a doctor or a teacher fyi I used to be a teacher so it's not too far of a reach you know um but you know what I mean? I think that's what it is because people genuinely, a little bit like the guy that came up to you last night, Mick, and mm. said, oh, I think it's great that you're out there. I've had that more times than hot yeah, dinners. Yeah. Uh, but until, you know, until they start seeing people how they really are, we're going to get those comments. And when they see someone like me succeeding, um, but also might be getting a free car or whatever, yeah, that's yeah, gonna, yeah. of course that's going to annoy people. Yeah, because yeah, you don't fit into that stereotypical thing. You, you, when you're a successful person like you are, you suddenly attacked what they've learned. No, you can't be successful because you're mm -hmm. needing charity all the time, or or you're on benefits. No, that that's that's not what I've been told. So that can't be right. So I have to be jealous at you. Yeah. I have to accuse you of being wrong, Sam. And that that's real. I mean, Ruth Maley. Do you remember she had it the other week when she got out? The taxi driver refused yeah. to give her her wheelchair. It's just mm -hmm. intolerable. In total, I mean, but Zach, what's your what Zach? What's your, been your experience? Because you're a newbie yeah. wheelchair as a user, right? What's been your experience of this? Then? I, as I say, I have been really quite very lucky. I mean, I don't like because my anxiety. I'm not out in the world, out in the world a lot. But when I do go out, I get a mix of stares and looks to people leaping out my <laughs> leaping out my way because cool, I, mean, I wish they left out of my way <laughs> coming down the corridor in a wheelchair is a bit terrifying i guess um although they don't need to give me 12 foot room but you know i've had one i crossed the road i've told you about that and somebody mm. shouted out effing cripple and i just stopped mm. in the middle of the crossing and said 
get out and his windows mm. went up. I've got, I'm lucky I've got, hey, look, I don't feel like that. And I think mm. partly since I first fell ill in 96, I had the shaved head first of all and that. My look is maybe defensive. It's maybe armour. I mean, yeah. you know, looking into myself deeply, there may be part of it that is because I don't feel like that inside. I feel pretty weak. And I, I found that the most difficult thing, feeling weak. I used to stand six foot four tall and and then all of a sudden. Yeah. It's funny because before we went live, Sam was saying about there is a difference between what it's like to be a male and yeah. female. And I, I know for a fact that most people looked at me and went motorbike. And I bet really? it's exactly the same to Zek, right? See you in a wheelchair, really? motorbike, motorbike accident. So loads of people yeah. go, well, you deserve it. It's your own stupid fault, mm. right? But loads of people were just like, oh, well, you're just a biker. And it was, so then when you went, no, oh, no, it's cancer. What? And and so there's a I whole strength thing. Or Afghanistan. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, the other the other one was, so what, 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 were you in Gulf War One? No. Uh, so, yeah. And it's, and, it, and it's funny because whenever I get um, attacked, 99.9%, of it by men and most of it is mm. some sort of derogatory sexual comment yep. and i find that funny as well and it's this again the perception of because i do like i mean you can't tell tonight because you know you i'm not I'm not showing my face and god help us all if i did but i you know i under normal circumstances i do look pretty presentable i like my fashion mm. i like my yeah, makeup i like to, i like to look at mm. the best version of you know who i want to be and i i I used to work at the box in Soho and be, you know, all sexy lingerie and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. You know, I've got a very central side to me and I don't hold back when I go out. And I think it's really, really funny that a lot of the taunting that I get are, you know, jokes like, oh, can you imagine effing her? Can you imagine, mm -hmm. oh, look, oh, look, midget, you know, what would you do to her or, you know? And it's really weird. Again, with dating, I really struggle with dating because I do get a lot of these microaggressions and discrimination that spill out onto dating sites and things like that. But then all the people that I've had sexual relationships with, they've, it, it, it's like, I've always, I don't know, I've always felt a little bit like, oh, the dirty little secret. Even back at school, you know, I had boyfriends, but we couldn't tell anyone. We could just hold oh, hands really? near, you know, behind the bins type thing. And I think even now as a grown woman, I still feel the effects of that. You know, mm. they make fun out of me because I'm small and, you know, joke to their friends about having relationships with me and use that as the kind of joke. Um, but, but behind closed curtains, you know, I've yep. never really had, I've never really had that issue. And that's why, you know, I don't, I don't kind of have one night stands anymore or anything like that because it, 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 it did get to a point where I felt like I was like someone's dirty little secret. Like we'll screw the cripple behind the closed doors, but we won't, we won't, you know, approach her in a bar. We won't, it, you know, know kind of with her in public. So, so it's funny, right? Because uh, I, you know, I, when I was younger and on tele, I used to hang around with Julie and hang around with Sophie and all people, mm. uh, not Sophie, um, uh, Shannon and all, you know, stunning, beautiful disabled women, right? And loads of my mates would kind of be a bit weird around them. Yeah. And then kind of go, God, I really fancy her. What, what do I say? And I said, well, what do you say to anyone else? Yeah. And it was sort of, and, and I really started to notice that one of the things was, as a bloke, girls might say to each other, oh, what are you going out with him for? But there's yeah. almost a kind of Florence Nightingale, I'm going <laughs> to care for him, you know, he's my broken action man kind of thing. Whereas yeah. blokes are just like, all my mates are going to laugh at me, so I'm just having none of it. And yeah. I think that that's a whole other load of stuff. And it's funny because on the gay scene, 
I found loads of my gay mates were like, no one wants to go out with me. And then I'd go out on the gay scene. And because they're so into bodies, my mm. body's all right. I'm just in a wheelchair. I you have to beat them off with a stick. And it, it was, and yet a lot of my lesbian different. friends that were disabled had, you know, what kind of stick they, they enjoyed being beaten with a stick. But I go into you that. Did, you anyway, did say so, stick, didn't you? I did say stick. <laughs> yeah, it was a stick with an S and not with a D. Anyway, so, <laughs> but loads of my lesbian friends had no trouble at all. And again, it was that idea around that women are caring and men aren't and it and it uh, there's so much to unpack around what we throw up in the face of society that we make we should be making society question itself i mean you've got all the cultural stuff you know lots of my friends from different cultures have a whole other load of intersectional discrimination you know religion brings stuff saying you know well you're deserving it because you don't believe or you haven't prayed hard enough and all of that feeds into being picked on as well and and people believing that they have the right to come up to you and just lay their hands on you because yeah. they're going to make you walk again or see or and you're like yeah okay um do you know what i mean and i, I think that there is so much to unpack and i think it's why this conversation is so important because mm-hmm. we are the unspoken ism aren't we do you yeah. know what i mean you, you, yeah everyone else they talk about and it's it, there's a load of stuff that we experience but like we said people just go no nah, that can't happen can it really exactly well it's, it's that disability perception gap isn't it and that is so yeah. rife you know uh it's like oh well but everything's all right now isn't it everything's right uh, everywhere has to be accessible you know oh yeah. you've got the paralympic uh, you know i i get so many people like now going yeah but i see i see loads of people like you on telly and i'm like mm, mm. do you know do you no. do you do, no. do you know no mm-hmm. not at all and if they are they're played by someone else yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> This time I mean, in the show is when we normally go to each person and we say, what tips and advice have you got? But I don't think there are any tips and advice. So what I'm going to ask you, I'm going to start with Dan, is what can we do? Is there anything we can do to improve the perception of disabled people and to try and stop this hate? To be fair, I, I, I don't think the answer lies with us because, as, as like Mick's always saying, since the, the disability... Act came in 25 years ago. Everyone's been constantly shouting ever since, and no one's ever ever picked it up. So I, th- I think, as much as we shout, it's just not going. It's got to happen culturally. It's got to happen from the top down. The, the problem with the society we have is that the, if you're disabled, you're not seen as a productive individual by the state and the system. Whereas you're not going to be out there. They, they assume because you're disabled, you're not going to be out there working, grinding the relentless rules of industry, bringing in taxes, paying and stuff. So they're just going to chuck you a little bit of benefit and get everyone to despise you, which is just a bit easier. So that, that's where it's all got to change. People, people have got to educate themselves. That's the biggest thing. It frustrates me so much that people refuse to go out and educate themselves or engage in conversation with disabled people. There's, there's nothing to be scared of. You're not going to catch cerebral palsy with emily you're not going to catch spine of off it. if you talk to people you'll understand people but do your homework because that's the only way it's going to change from the top down and by people investigating and not believing every single thing they read and hear people need to be individuals and it frustrates me all the time we're lucky emily's never had any hate crime nothing she's had people come up and say they're going to pray for her or try and put their hands on her but she always just flips a bird at them because <laughs> well, I love Emily. she's very lucky as a girl she's been brought up to be really confident not just by us as a family but mick as well mick's mm-hmm. had some wonderful conversations with her that she's very very happy very happy confident. so when it does happen 
she's got that guile to go against it. But I'm hoping this won't happen. I'm hoping she won't grow up with this awful, negative, government, media, stereotype-driven attitude still embedded. People need to learn and do it for themselves. Lecture over. Yeah, well, I was going to say, you can't catch brittle bones from me. You might be able to catch chlamydia, but I'll, I'll need to go to ah! <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that itching? No, I'm joking. Also, can I please apologise uh, for my potty mouth? I actually just looked at the clock. I was like, wow, it's really still quite early. Uh, so I do apologise if anyone's been offended by my dirty mouth, but I can't help it. Um, no, one into, no one tunes into this show for uh, right-wing <laughs> politics or a lack of swearing, that's for sure. <laughs> I, think, I think that, you know, for me, for me, I obviously echo everything that Dan has said. You know, it, the onus needs to be taken away from disabled people and there needs to be a cultural shift. However, in the meantime, um, for me, I wish, um, looking back, I had the confidence to safeguard myself in the sense of, like you said, it's not normally the act, it's the aftermath of not being believed. And that can be, I've lost friends over that, you know, and that can be more demoralizing um, and humiliating than people calling you a cripple in the street. So for me, I think, you know, it, me having the confidence and saying to my friends, actually, you not believing me has hurt more than them saying mm. that to me. And I want to know why you don't believe me because I am not someone to fabricate <laughs> things of this gravitas you know and I think being able to have that open conversation with friends family that are dismissive and even if they're dismissive because they don't want to have a the un uncomfortable conversation you know actually say well tough crap you need to have that conversation because I'm hurting I'm hurting right now and like I said that the other day or the other week when it was literally it triggered something that I can remember from one of my first times in London 10 years ago. And and that says a lot, doesn't it? That I can remember, I, I remember where I was, who I was with, and him not believing me, my friend not believing me. Safe to say we are no longer friends anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Mick, words, um, words, wisdom. Uh, well, um, uh, talking from experience of, of it happening and getting quite bad, as uh, soon as it starts, start recording it and start telling people about it right because if you let it go and it escalates you can't say well it started here and it's got to here it suddenly appears like it started here and people tend to go oh well let's see if it goes away and you're like yeah but it's already been going on for a year and it's just got worse to the point where i'm scared so as soon as it happens record it write it down um, or if it's verbal or something from neighbors, record it or, you know, audio record it, video record it um, and tell everybody. And also don't be ashamed of it happening. You know, no one can be, you know, I was a famous TV presenter, gobshite, mouthy, punk rock cripple. And, you know, within a space of two and a half years, we, we were turned, my wife and I were turned into like terrified house people trapped at home um, we had a party one night and like loads of my mates got beaten up one got put in hospital you know by these people that you know they were a bunch of real shit and and there you go more swearing folks um so <laughs> you know and 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 also go and shout about it if it happens to you like you got the police do nothing go to press go go everywhere shout about it because there will be someone you know there's wonderful people like francis ryan and nikki fox who will tell your story 
Do you know what I mean? There's the Huffington Post. If you go to them and say, look, this is happening to me, they'll, they'll help you write it down. And you can prove it. Because what tends to happen is when you don't get any support, you shrink and you hide. And you just think, right, this is something I've got to cope with on my own. And you find you ask your family and they're bloody useless. So actually, you need to go out and go to your authority. Go, you know, like the Housing Association should have said to the people, you know, the kids that were living under the same Housing Association, if you do any more, you're out. Not, I shouldn't have had to go. They should have been gone. But I think that's it because we didn't use the the right roads. So I think that's it. But it, you know, all this education and that's fine. We live in a very weird situation now where people go online and educate themselves with bollocks. So you, we, we know that it's up to the media to rethink. The, the, Sophie Morgan's article in the Times recently, all about, you know, sort of challenging, the language was a bit, but the actual story was really important. And I think we just need more of that. We need people to see it isn't a bad thing, but also to see the truth, you know, that you can be successful, but if you're not, it's not a bad thing. If you never get out of bed, you can still have a nice life. And it's not, you know, like you said, tragedy and, you know, you're better off dead or Paralympian superhero. Um, but I don't know. If, if all else fails, I think I should start making wheelch- uh, mountable submachine guns and then we'd be all right. And I think, right. I think Emily's got it all sorted. Emily's got it sorted. She's now got pump bracelets to make with spikes mm. on. Oh, I used to have them too, yeah. And I had them on my boots. I once got barred from a nightclub because they said, you can't come in with them because they've got you've got studs on your boots. And I said, well, what do you think I'm going to do? Kick someone? Well, <laughs> 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 no, I will actually me. say that uh, uh, <laughs> another night when there was a bit of a fight going on, I did grab someone, push their face into my boots. So... Yeah. Probably got rid of the Anyway, yes, I'll probably get knock on the door now. Mm. in TV and films, yeah. proper representation. Yeah. Mm. You know, like Liz Carr on Silent Witness was wonderful, wasn't it? To see yeah. somebody who's genuinely disabled on TV absolutely killing it. I mean, it, it was brilliant. Um, and what I loved about Liz's character, all the, hardly ever was it mentioned about her being disabled. She was just Liz Carr. And that was so refreshing. See, I think, we're going to overrun now, we always do. I think that one of the things is we've become obsessed with ignoring it. Oh, let's have a story where we don't talk about it, and it's not really important. There'll be one special where she does a show about it. I used to work on a show that was about being disabled. Every week we talked about it. We made shows about what you could do, where you could go, the benefits you got, what it was really like, good and bad. Right, And that was watched by millions of people, disabled and not. And that's missing. We now make either programs where we don't talk about it or programs where we talk about it for non-disabled people. And it's like, hello, I'm going to tell you what it's like to have had cancer and now be paralysed. That's bollocks. What you want is a show for us that they watch. And Mm. it's hugely missing. So that Emily can watch it and go, right, how do you make a punk jacket if you're in a wheelchair? You know, she didn't have yeah. to, you know, she didn't have to text or WhatsApp some stupid old sod that her dad knows, right? Going, how do I do a punk jacket? There should be a whole show where a young punk girl showing out. Do you know what I mean? And, yes, no. of, and I think that that's missing. And that was part of what helped because people saw a whole picture. It wasn't mm. Paralympian or here's, oh, here's a sad story about a boy with half a brain. Or, do you know what I mean? It was... It was rounded. You could have a show about skiing and benefits and driving and, you know, then you'd meet a musician and then a comedy comedian would tell a joke and then you'd end. And that was yeah. the show. I think that's really missed. And I, I really I really miss From the Edge. And I think that there's a huge gap in the media that should be filled by something new. There's so much great talent mm. out there. I don't get why it isn't. But I think that's, that's me on my high horse. 
No, there should be that show is waiting to be done. So I think a commission from the four of us here uh, is is on its way because yeah, you're right. It's, there is nothing, absolutely nothing, is there? It's terrible. We need brakes across the world. We need brakes across London for wheelchair users. It take as long. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody Tony Gray would win anyway. She always does. Although you know now 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 she's. Proper political, so that'd be one of these new youngins, don't it? You know, it'd be Emmy with a new wheelchair attachment. That's what it'd be. I don't know any of their names, of course. The Paralympics are starting <laughs> soon. Do we know? Nah, I don't even know. What's no, going no, on. no. It'd be good though if the Paralympics started and the Paralympics themselves actually got up on a platform and made these sort of discussions. You mean that kind good. of like that yeah. when they won the medals? Yeah, yeah I agree. Something, didn't we? No. From a, the Paralympic Committee, they actually spoke out, didn't they, recently? I think. Depends I you've got the we are 15 campaign that's that quite good but then you've got the what words to use from the international paralympic committee but were completely wrong um because uh, <laughs> i think language is really important it's where it starts you start getting bullied by words and then mm -hmm. it becomes physical no one just goes up to you and punches you straight away they call you a name and so mm. that's why i think language is important but um you haven't met big bert from south end no words mate you'll just get a smack <laughs> <laughs> Dick, you, always, you always remind me of the guitarist from zz top so yeah yeah exactly well every girl's crazy about a sharp dress man too Ooh. right mate Oh, he remembered that. No, I did right. remember that. And that is that. We've run yes, that better be it, really. Otherwise, now. we'll do that thing of just going on forever. We? <laughs> talk, for we talk about for ages. Thank you, Sam, for coming on. And, uh, well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Sam. Wonderful, wonderful human being that you are. Hope you heal up soon, Sam. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll be fine. You know, I, I just need to get some rest. My body's very good at telling me when my bone density is low, and I didn't listen to it. So, Shame on me, really, but I, I'll be fine. I've got my two Sphinx cats to look after me. Um, yeah, I've actually been letting them sleep with me at night, so that's it. It's going to be an absolute nightmare now trying to get them get them into the living room tonight to lock them away. Um, wish me luck. I feel like I'm a proper cat mum. trying to lock her pussy away. Oh, my goodness. It's not often. Oh, my God. On that note, I'm up. <laughs> and who is leading next time? Who who's up next? As we around the leading. It's Dan. We will see you in two weeks' time on Sunday at six pm. I'm going to click end. Say goodbye, folks. Bye, folks. Live long and prosper, folks. Bye, everyone. Oh, uh, and that one. And oh, come on, Mick. <laughs>